0: And now part four of Coronaville, a comedy in five parts. The days are long on lockdown Dolphin Street. Inside the lines, Dolly. Inside. No, darling, not all over the place like the Here, do another one. Only better this time. A strange phenomenon has appeared in the windows of Dolphin Street. Colourful concoctions showing off the variable artistic abilities of the smallest members of the household. Sapphire O'Rourke, whose great grandfather was listed in Debrett's, is feeling the pressure. She's been at it for weeks now, trying to get the perfect rainbow out of her recalcitrant stepdaughter. She's beginning to suspect the toddler is deliberately defying her. And Duncan's no help. He's taken up permanent residence in the garden office since working from home. In fact, she hasn't had a word out of him since he said, I do. That's the trouble with these strong, silent types. Good in bed, but absolutely no conversation. She'll have to remember that for next time. Oh no, Dolly, no. It's not supposed to be a heffalump. If someone had told Luna Appleby a month ago that lying in the sun in a hammock was going to be this boring, she wouldn't have believed them. She's still stunned by the news she won't have to sit her A-levels. She should be happy. So why does she feel like everything in her life has suddenly stopped? She checks her pulse to make sure she hasn't stopped too. Social media is so trade dull now nobody's doing anything. And she can't chat to her friend Susie over the fence because, quite coincidentally, they were on the way up to their Norfolk holiday home when the lockdown came. To while away the afternoon, she's been wondering what life would be like if both her dead-end parents caught the pandemic and snuffed it. She'd get the house and the dog, mum's collection of vintage evening wear, which doesn't suit her anyway, and whatever Squillion's dad has in the bank end, she could hire in staff to look after her. Obedient, submissive staff who didn't nag her all day. She needs to go to the toilet, quite badly in fact, but she's too, too gay to walk all that way back to the house. Perhaps, if she keeps still, the urge will go away. It's alright for some, but for Derek Hambury, this bastard Corona nonsense has really done for him and his... Everyone's at home. He can see them through their windows. Street after street of them tapping away at their computers and looking very bloody self-important. But what about him, hey? Third-generation housebreaker with mouths to feed and a standing to maintain. Yet again, the tossers in government have discriminated against him and his like. They're hosing the money out in all directions to keep the economy afloat. But does he get any of it? Does he ever? If anyone's self-employed and in need around here, then it's me. To get the loan, Mr Hanbury, and I stress it is a loan, not a grant. You do understand the difference, don't you? You will have had to have filled out a self-assessment tax return for the previous tax year. Have you done that, Mr Hanbury? at all? Ever? The conniving little shits. Rory McIntyre is in the downstairs toilet. He needs a moment away from Maddie. He's trying hard to be the hero she needs, but his Superman outfit is coming apart at the seams. He laughs at the imagery, but only briefly. He dials the number again. If it goes to voicemail this time, he'll leave a message. Hello? Mark sounds unforgiving. Hey, I, I know it's been a while, but I need your help, mate. Are you sitting on the toilet? Show some respect, man. Oh, you're such a dick. No, I'm only... Rory pulls the shreds of his self-esteem around him again before redialing. I know what you think of me, Mark, but Maddie. maddie has got cancer. We found out three weeks ago. They opened her up but left the tumour in. I want to treat it with chemo. She's back at home again now, but... Mark's just so incredibly vulnerable and I don't know how to keep her safe. You know this virus. We're keeping all the doors and windows closed. Not going out, not seeing anyone, but... What do you want, Rory? I can't get a food delivery slot till June. So I'm ringing to ask if you'd please be willing to bring stuff round. Leave it in the front garden. Anything. I'm not fussy. need most things at the moment. Could you do this one thing for me, please? Marcia Gibson wiggles her way along Dolphin Street, a miasma of perfume engulfing her. She's wearing a diaphanous, off-the-shoulder number aimed squarely at exciting the male gaze. But so far she hasn't detected the merest twitch of a net curtain. She's mourning the loss of her ardent fan base now no one ventures out much. Could it be true that she's actually too sexy to find love? Is that even possible? She flies her lonely heart like a kite, but no one ever notices that particular part of her. Sitting at his open kitchen window, Gerald Cardew is enjoying a free bentos steak and kidney pie. He's eating it out of the blistering hot tin to save on the washing up. Teamed with a rich double malt whisky, he could be back at his club on Piccadilly if he closed his eyes. Why that interfering niece of his thinks he can't look after himself is beyond him. What precisely does she think he was doing in Ireland during the Troubles? Had to well and truly mind his back in those days. He's unplugged the phone to put a stop to her nannying phone calls. He washed his hands of the whole coronavirus debacle when Boris fell ill with the blasted thing. doesn't even remember that it's Thursday. So when the clapping starts and then the whistling and banging, he's none the wiser. Good God, it's a revolution! The cat seems to think so too and runs in at the window and straight through his pie. With his military training to the fore Gerald grasps his unregistered army issue pistol and does his bit firing warning shots from his front door. Curiously no one seems particularly cowed by the thunderous cacophony. Smiling and whooping some even congratulate him. That's so cool! Wow! Guns for the NHS! That's pure narrative irony right there! Do you mind if I use that? I'm writing a screenplay at the moment and I think this would really define the protagonist's off-kilter mindset. Gerald doesn't understand a blessed word the young fellow is shouting at him, but as of now finds himself a rather big noise on the street. Coronaville was produced under lockdown conditions by writer Jane Fuchs in her pyjamas and narrated and recorded by Jill Priest when the kids were asleep.